Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, here we are at Sunday, Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. Hope uh, hope you're going to have a great day. You know, I, I got to thinking about there's a lot of um, a lot of folks out there who don't have a father. Uh, maybe they've either gone on, they've had problems in their lives, and uh, I dealt with a lot of that um, in my time as youth minister. A lot of single parents and so I, I guess I'd have to extend that Happy Father's Day out to all you moms that are playing double duty. Uh, I know that's a difficult task, and I pray that, uh, that God will give you wisdom and strength on uh, how to raise your children uh, if you don't have a father in the home. I was uh, I was blessed. I, uh, I guess uh, I grew up normal, if, if there's a term for that anymore. Uh, I'm not sure we have any semblance of normal in our lives any longer, but... Um, I, I grew up in what I would consider a normal home. I had a mom, I had a dad, and, and uh, we were a good family. I had a sister, and so the four of us made up a good family. We lived in the country. I grew up on a farm, or kind of on a farm. We did some cattle and a uh, few head of cows anyway, and I grew up riding ponies and nearest neighbors a mile away, that kind of thing. I had, um, had a good life, had a really good life, had a great uh, relationship with my parents, and um, have always felt like I was blessed when it comes to uh, how I was raised. And uh, we, I was raised in church. I tell people a lot. I get joked at quite a bit because I tell people I had a drug problem growing up. Uh, my mama drove me to church every time the doors were open. So um, uh, she actually told me one time when I was going to church unless I was dead. And I haven't been dead yet. So uh, I've been to church, you know, my whole life and had some time of rebellion in there. But I want to share with you this morning a Father's Day message, I guess, if you will. Um, part of which I want to tell you a little bit about my story. Um, some of you heard it, some of you know it, uh, maybe some of you don't, but I'll, I'll kind of—I never can say the same thing twice when I share a story. So it, it may all be new if you if you've heard it before. So. But I—I I grew up, like I said, in, in, a, in a good home. Uh, my dad was a, a union pipe fitter and plumber, so we we. Um, that was his career. Uh, he went to work every day. I, I came to that point of life where I didn't understand why my dad didn't get the summer off like I did when I was out of school, but uh, had some problems with that. But but we had a good life. My dad loved to hunt. He loved to quail hunt. He loved to turkey hunt. Uh, got into deer hunting later on as I grew up, and uh, I can I can remember my dad raising bird dogs, and and that was kind of part of my chores was taking care of those dogs. And his his lifelong dream was to live in Colorado. So we made two or three little runs in there. When I was in uh, fifth grade, uh, we, we made our first attempt at living in Colorado, and we moved to Leadville, Colorado. You know, people talk about Denver being the mile-high city. Leadville's two, <laughs> two miles high. Um, we scraped frost off the windows in July out there. I swam in the Arkansas River in Leadville, Colorado. Believe it or not, it's about um, maybe six or eight feet wide, maybe five or six inches deep, and colder than you can get. Uh, full of trout in Leadville, Colorado, but that's that's somewhere up in that area is where the Arkansas River actually begins. So, uh, spent about half my school year, fifth grade there in Leadville. We wound up moving back to Oklahoma. Um, moved back the very the very next summer uh, to a little town called Dumont, Colorado, on I seventy, just outside of Denver, uh, just up in the mountains towards Loveland Ski Area and Loveland Pass. Went to school, uh, sixth grade, in a little school called Georgetown, a little town there 
in the valley below Loveland. And um, we actually moved a little further. Uh, we went to the western slope for my seventh and eighth grade years of, of school. Uh, we moved to a little town in, called Colburn, Colorado, which is on Grand Mesa, just outside of Grand Junction up the Plateau Valley. And, um, you know, that kind of became home. We spent two years there. We bought a house and had a little acreage, and we lived about eight miles from the top of Grand Mesa and spent a lot of time in the mountains, spent a lot of time trout fishing, uh, just whatever we could do to be outside. And I spent a great deal of that time with my dad. He... Um, he did have to travel to work because they, where we lived, there wasn't any, any work real close to us. And that kind of culminates to, to where I wanted to start this story. <clears throat> in, in eighth grade, we uh, my dad was working in a town called Craig, Colorado, which is about 150 miles from home. And he would drive up early Monday mornings. He would leave and, and drive to work. And um, he would work all week till Friday. He'd come home Friday nights and be home for the weekends. And, had opportunity, I was gonna be out of school two or three days there, so had opportunity to, to mom put me on a bus, and, and I rode a bus up to, to Craig, and my dad met me there at the bus depot, and and um, that was on a, a Wednesday evening. We got there, we went and had dinner. His favorite little place was a taco shop, believe that or not, I, I come by that naturally. Me and my tacos and my hot sauce. Uh, but we went and had dinner that evening, a little taco shop there in Craig, Colorado, and spent the evening together, had a great time. Thursday morning he had to go to work as per normal um, I would just be on my own throughout the day and so I he left at normal time and uh, of course we're in Colorado it's springtime and it starts snowing it was snowing pretty good but it snows all the time in Colorado it's not a big deal um, about 10 o'clock or so my dad came home and he said that they're working on a steam generating plant there in Craig and he said hey they you know they sent everybody home we got to spend the whole day together what an awesome time uh, we went and goofed around and, and uh, of course, obviously went back and ate at our taco shop that evening and planned to spend the evening next door. At the, at the, they had a youth armory, basketball and games and whatnot, and we were going to play some basketball. So that day, we'd spent all day together and we went and ate and we went to this armory and it was just right next door to the taco shop and we're playing basketball. Having a great time. I'm now 13 years old. Um, spending all this time with my dad. I mean, how, how better could life be, right? Uh, later that evening, while playing basketball, I heard a noise and turned around and my dad was on the ground. Um, wasn't long, there were a couple of young men started doing CPR, uh, ambulance was called. I managed somehow to make it to a payphone. I called my mother at home and I said, hey, you know, something's wrong with dad. They're gonna take him to the hospital uh, here in Craig. And, I can't, I can't fathom what my mom went through that night, but uh, for, for me personally, I'm alone now. I mean, they're loading my dad in an ambulance, and the next thing I know, the lady from the taco shop shows up to see what's going on because her boys were there, and she saw the ambulance, and she realized what was going on, and just because of knowing my dad, because him coming into her store all the time, um, she took me, and she went and closed her taco stand down, and she hauled me to the hospital so I could be with my dad. <clears throat> it was there that I learned that he wasn't gonna make it, that he didn't make it. Um, he had a, a major heart attack and died before he was probably ever to the floor. And, you know, again, I'm 13 years old, I'm 150 miles away from home, and it's, um, didn't have any idea what to do. My dad stayed with a, an elderly man there that had a room that he rented out at his house. 
I didn't really know him. He didn't know me. This lady who, who had this taco shop actually wound up taking me to her house. She knew that my dad went to church when he was there on Wednesdays, so she called the pastor of this little church that he attended. Um, that pastor wound up coming to get me from her house and taking me to his house while my pastor and, and one of our deacons wound up driving all the way that 150 miles uh, to get me and my dad's things and, and uh, my dad's truck and to come home and to bring me home. So I got home the next day. Um, you know, obviously a very challenging time in my life. We wound up selling our property there in Colorado. Uh, we moved back to Oklahoma where all of our family was. And um, I was a very bitter, very angry young man. Did not understand how God could have taken my father from me. And that's how I viewed it. I, I viewed that God took him from me. Didn't get it. Didn't understand it. Uh, again, because of how I was raised, I really felt like, man, I had a good thing. I had a good life. I had you know, what was wrong with my life, you know, that, that God would take my dad from me. So it was a very challenging time in my life. And um, obviously being a 13-year-old kid, it was uh, the anger set in very deep, a lot of bitterness. I became very rebellious. About two years, I don't know the exact time frame, but about two years after my dad passed away, my mom remarried. And she married a man uh, that, I don't know how he did what he did. <laughs> um, Gary came into my life as, as a stepfather, but he, he came into a role of a rebellious teenager. I had an older sister who was two years older than me. So here he, he's never had children before, and all of a sudden he's got two teenagers. Um, man, he, he did an amazing job. The, the man is impressive. Uh, he set such an example for me and such a role model. He, he became a father without really trying to be. He played that role for me in my life. He, he played that father role. As much as I missed my dad, Gary became that, that, that stand, that, that solid stay in my life that I could anchor to. Again, I don't know how he did it. I was highly rebellious, pretty mouthy. Um, some think I'm still kind of mouthy, but I, I, I challenged a lot of things in that time frame. And it took a long time for the bitterness and the anger and all of that to, to find its way through me. And, and, I, and it, it played a role on me for many, many years, <clears throat> probably more than most people really knew. But over time, Gary and I became very good friends as well. And he filled that role. We fished together. We hunted together. Uh, I mean, I, I, I love him like I love my dad. I mean, he's, he's played that role his, his whole life now and um, still part of our lives. He's, he became my children's grandpa. You know, I mean, they didn't know my dad. So he's all they've ever known. And he's grandpa. And now he's a great-grandpa to all of my grandkids. And, man, what a, what a beautiful time that we get to have together. And he's still a part of my kids' lives and all these grandkids and, and takes care of my mother and, you know, just, you couldn't ask for anything better. So once again, I look at my life, and I, I actually preach a message called Twice Blessed. Uh, if you've ever heard that message, it, it reflects not only on what I went through, what I'm telling you today about a father figure, but also with my wife and, and with Rhonda being my wife today and how, how I feel I'm twice blessed. God has, God has blessed me twice uh, in, in those realms, and I, I, I won't dig too deep into that one today. I want to stick to this father's thing, but just kind of wanted to share with you my story and, and, and how, it, how it affected my life. The, the father role is such a powerful role. Um, and unfortunately, we, we see a lot of fatherless homes. 
we see a lot of young people who are growing up fatherless. And I, I challenge you men, if you know uh, young people who do not have a father in their life, um, carefully, carefully consider that. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of things that come into play there, but um, our young men need good role models. They need solid role models in their lives. And um, we took a, one of our veterans who served as a volunteer, good friend um, Josh Blanchard he's a he's a he's a veteran he's a he's a great friend now he, he works diligently serving with Peter Central Ministries uh, that, that we work with we took him and his son as Josh as a as an actual instead of a volunteer he went as a veteran and we and we took his son on a trip to Tennessee with us to a uh, a dove hunt uh, at Luke Hochaver's place there and one of the things that Kane Josh's son mentioned coming back and, and this would have been he was probably a junior in high school so I think he just graduated this year so <clears throat> but the one thing that Kane mentioned at, at coming back from that is how he had gained some respect for his dad and I thought man how, how impressive is that that a young man here he's a junior in high school give or take and uh, boy he's right in the midst of his rebellious time you know and, and yet he says the one thing he gained from that trip was how much respect he gained for his father. Realizing some of the things that dads go through to, to provide for their kids. That was, that was something very unique that I'll never forget, you know, and I appreciated what he said there. But that father role is so impressive and it's so, it's so thick. And, and you think about it, God is our father. He, he, he's our heavenly father. He becomes that spiritual father to us. And and, and but men, we need to play the role. We need to play the man card here, and be a man of God in in front of our in front of not only our kids, but in others' kids, in others' lives, and others. I, I I served as a detention center youth, uh, chaplain, a youth detention center there in Farmington, New Mexico, and San Juan County, and, and largest county in New Mexico, and we had a huge juvenile detention center, um, and I became a part of that, and, and I realized how important it is. For a man to play that role in that, and I thought, how much of a loss our young people have have come to when they don't have a father figure in their lives. So I really do want to encourage you. Well, with that, I want to get into some some scripture. I want to share some some scripture with it. I found this in Proverbs. I, I love this. Uh, this is at Proverbs chapter four, and it, and it is the whole chapter. I'm just going to read it to you, but it actually has a subtitle called "A Father's Wise Advice." And that's why I titled this message today, A Father's Wise Advice. But in Proverbs chapter 4, starting with verse 1, it says, My children, listen when your father corrects you. Pay attention and learn good judgment, for I am giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my instructions, for I too was once my father's son, tenderly loved as my mother's only child. My father taught me. Take my words to heart. Follow my commands and you will live. <laughs> kind of like that. <laughs> Do what I tell you and you'll live. Um, <laughs> that's a whole other story. Take my words to heart. Follow my commands and you will live. Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom for she will protect you. Love her and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will place a lovely wreath on your head. She will present you with a beautiful crown. My child, listen to me and do as I say, 
and you will have a long, good life. I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in, a, in straight paths. When you walk, you, will, you won't be held back, and when you run, you won't stumble. Take hold of my instructions. Don't let them go. Guard them, for they are the key to life. Don't do as the wicked do, and don't follow the path of evildoers. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Turn away and keep moving, for evil people can't sleep until they've done their evil deed for the day. They can't resist. They can't rest until they've caused someone to stumble. They eat the food of wickedness and they drink the wine of violence. The way of the of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. Man, if you're a hunter, duck hunter, deer hunter, you know what that statement says. There is nothing like that first moment of dawn, that first moment of sunrise. That it just is. It's it, it, it is. It shines brighter any part of the day. But the way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they're stumbling over. Boy, if that doesn't sound like things of today. The way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they're stumbling over. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. I love this piece of scripture right here towards the end of this. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Your heart determines the course of your life. Guard it. Guard it wisely. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't be sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. You know, one of my favorite passages of Scripture is when Peter's in the boat and Jesus comes walking on the water. Peter's one of my favorite characters in the Bible because I think Peter's a knucklehead just like I was. Maybe still am. He, he, he always challenged things. He questioned things. And, and, and maybe he didn't always make the most wise decisions but, but there's something very unique about Peter because here he is in this boat and the, the waves are, are, are causing him problems. It's stormy, it's waves, and the waves are crashing their boat and having a hard time getting across the lake. And here comes Jesus walking on the water. And the Bible describes it first. They thought he was a ghost. But Jesus called out to him and said, Hey, man, don't be afraid. It's, it's just me. And Peter, <laughs> I love this guy. He said, If that's really you, then, then you bid me to come out on the water with you. Jesus said, well, come on. And I honestly, you know, I honestly believe that that command or that statement that he made went to everyone in the boat. Y'all want to come out here? Come on. Every one of you. But Peter was the only knucklehead on that boat that that was awesome enough to jump out of that boat and walk on that water. But catch what happens in that scripture passage. And, I, and I'd have to look it up. I don't know the actual scripture reference here. But Peter begins to walk on water towards Jesus. Man, that's incredible. But something happens. He, he begins to look around. He takes his eyes off the Lord. He takes his eyes off Jesus and he begins to look at his problem. He begins to look at the waves and the storm that's raging around him. The Bible says he sank. And he cried out to the Lord, save me. And, and the Bible describes he, he reached out his hand and he lifted him up. The, 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 MO ver, the MOV version, which is my own version, 
only records this. The, the actual Bible doesn't record how they got back in the boat. Uh, I've not found it in any version that I've ever looked at. They don't. They never describe how did how did Peter and Jesus get back to the boat. Um, in my own version, I believe that they walked together on the water back to the boat. That's incredible. Jesus lifted him up. He saved him. But together, they had to get back to the boat. And I believe that they walked back on in the water together. But, that, but that's exactly what it says here in the end. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Don't take your eyes off the path. Don't take your eyes off of Jesus. Don't take your eyes off the prize. Because when we do, we become mired down and we sink. And we're going to have to find ourselves in that place again. Lord, save me. Moving on, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 and 4, it talks about uh, children obeying their parents. It says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do for us to obey our parents. I struggled with that a little growing up. You know, I had my challenging times. My mom would probably throw an amen in about right now. And probably Gary, my stepdad, would throw several amen in right about now. Because I struggle with that obedience thing. I, I still challenge it from time to time. Um, but it says this is the right thing to do. You guys that, that, that are still young enough to, to, you need to pay attention to your parents. or even, I don't care how old you are. You should still be honoring your parents. You should still be, be, be putting them in a place of honor. Because it's the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. And you will have a long life on earth. That never changes. That's, that doesn't mean that once you pass those teenage years that you can fail to honor your father and mother again. That, that, this never changes. This word stays intact. That we are to honor our father and mother. It's the first commandment with a promise. Because if we honor our father and mother, things will go well for you. And you will have a long life on the earth. It goes on to challenge us dads here. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. You know, I have to think it's that's a, that's a phrase that says, don't just yell at your kids. Teach them. T teach, why, you know, why is it what they're doing wrong? Give them instruction. Train them up in the way they should go. For when they're old, they won't depart from it. It's what the Word says. I think that's exactly what this is saying here. Fathers, don't provoke your kids. Don't just scream and yell at them. But actually instruct them. Give them something to ground their faith in. Give them something to ground their life in. That, that word honor, is the Webster's Dictionary describes honor as to regard or treat someone with admiration and respect. We, we, need, to, we need to treat our parents with admiration and respect to regard or treat with honor to give special recognition to them to confer honor on them that that's exactly what it means is that, that, that respect and admiration that we should give to our parents you know i've had a lot of people tell me well my parents aren't worthy of that you know scripturally i don't know what to tell you there because all i know is, is it says the word honor uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to do what they tell us to do when we're telling us to do something that's against god's will but we still need to have that honor and respect for them. We still need to show them honor. And, and you may need to sort out how to do that if you're in a relationship that makes that difficult. But honor your parents. Because when you do so, the Lord says that things will go well for you. I really believe that if you don't honor your parents, things aren't going to go well for you. You're going to have some challenges and struggles you don't understand. Bring it back into place. 
it actually was the commandment number five in the top ten commandments that Jesus or God gave. Come to Exodus 20, verses 12. It says, Honor your father and mother, and you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord God has given you. So that's it was actually the fifth commandment that was given in the Ten Commandments that was given to Moses on the mount. I'm going to close with this. Psalms 103, 13. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Man, God is our father. He, he, he puts this father figure in place for us. You know, if, if you're missing your dad, if you don't have a father, tie into this one. God's reaching out to you this morning. He's saying, I'll be that role for you. I am that Father's love. You'll not find a more perfect love than what I can give you. If you don't have a relationship with him today, that's what he's asking for. He's asking for a relationship. Guys, if you're not leading your family in a godly manner, if you're not setting a godly example for your children or your spouse or your friends even, you can fix that. And, and I believe that's what God's calling us out of. It's, it's time to stand up and be men of God. It's time to be the man of God that he created us to be from the get-go. I wasted half my life getting to that point. And I still challenge myself daily. I still struggle. I still fight to be who he called me to be. I, I've tried to depart from it. I've tried to get away from it. It don't work well. I, I can't get past it. I can't. This is what he's given me to do. It's what it, it's what he's commissioned me to do. And it's also what he's commissioned you to do, to be a man of God. Be a man of God in a culture that's spiraling out of control. I've used the word these last couple of weeks with my, my buddy Al up there at the shop I'm working at in, in Carthage, Missouri. We're in a tailspin. Our society as we know it's in a tailspin. I, I don't know if we'll come out of it. But in the midst of the chaos, we have a role to play. We're to be godly examples to everyone we encounter, especially our families. We need to lead our families strong because we're setting the foundation for our future generations. They need to see us as men of God. Uh, ladies, if, if you don't have that man of God in, in your life, if you don't have him in your home, you be That You've got to be foundation of a godly example to your children and to your family and to your friends and all of those that you encounter even in the midst of this chaotic time that we are in today this is our time to rise up this is our time to be men and women of God I challenge you today to, to make that a priority in your life it's not an easy task especially in what we live in today but it is ours and the Bible says to those who endure <laughs> to those who endure to the end, you shall be saved. We may have to endure some crazy things, even, even worse than we're seeing right now. But if we stand our ground, God will be there with us every step of the way. God bless you guys. I pray you have a great Father's Day. All you dads out there, uh, man, take the day off. Make your kids wait on you. <laughs> if not, take them all to dinner. Do something good. Have fun today. Enjoy it. Uh, just remember that, that guard your heart. That, heart that heart line is the biggest thing we've got guard our heart, keep our eyes set on Jesus and we can endure this storm God bless you guys, love you thank you for your support check out the website, keep following us on here we'll see you again next week